The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? Drinking an Empress Gin and Tonic. So an Empress Gin, Gin and Tonic, technically. Well, it's Empress Gin and Tonic. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. And so how I made it a little different than what you said, because I use creative license when I sure. first, because we talked about back and forth how we would make this with the botanical gin and so what i did was i used if i'm making one drink two ounces of empress gin and then i added two shakes of the uh angostura bitters okay and i took a lime wedge like a quarter lime wedge and i squeezed it into a mixer tin with ice and stirred it for a while and then i filled two new glasses with ice and then strained the contents of the mixer equally into each glass and then topped off with, um, no, topped off with tonic and tonic, then, then added the lime wedge. So we'll see. And then I mixed it again. So okay. it should be mixed. It should be cold by now. Sure, pretty cold. Yeah. Mm. That's respectable. Oh, yeah. That's, that's totally drinkable. That's totally drinkable. Yeah, good. All right. I like that. Okay, good. I recommend it. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. Okay, so to our topic. To our topic. Yeah. So. It's interesting that we're trying this, you know what I mean? It is interesting. I got the wisdom request yesterday. Say, share how that happened. All right. Because people may not know about the wisdom app. That's true. So yesterday I got an email from Wisdom inviting us to claim our podcast on the app. And so I started that process and got through it. And then I'm trying to figure out, okay, how does this thing work? And I realized it actually gives us an opportunity to do something that we haven't done, which is just have an open live conversation. Right. Something we've talked about doing in bars, but we haven't actually had the opportunity (laughs) to go to a bar for like two years. Yeah. How long has it been? Yeah, forever. (laughs) Because of COVID. Yeah. Anyway, so our conversation today is a conversation mm-hmm. about the nature of being dominant and being submissive. Right. And the, the broader question is, you know, how do you know if you're a dominant or a submissive? Well, how did you know? 
How do you, how do how you, did I know? I mean, it's, it's assumed for males. I mean, this is really stereotypical, it is, but, yeah. but it, you're a male, so you should know that you're the leader of everything. You know, that kind of, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So yeah, toxic male culture says yeah. you should be dominant. No, I mean, for me, it's interesting. You know, I was always the captain of everything. Okay. Um, every team I played on, I was a prefect in high school. I was the... What is a prefect again? So I, I grew up in South Africa and the prefect is like the leaders of the senior year are selected by the principal and the teachers to be the school cops effectively but you oh. get privileges right <laughs> you were the police i was the police <laughs> you were the student body police yeah but i was a cool cop like when i walked into the bathroom where kids were smoking i would say just put your cigarettes out to go to class you know i wouldn't like bust them or anything. yeah and would yeah. they do it do they oh, yeah, follow yeah. the rules yeah, because because you know, i do had they, power do they recognize that there's a power there oh yeah I have, oh really i have a different blazer and i have a different badge oh. <laughs> I'm like I'm like a cop, man. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens if if let's say someone was being unruly with you? Well, what I could would give happen? Them, I could give them detention, or I could take them to the prefect's room and cane them. Actually, you could. Yeah, this is amazing. They gave kids this response. Did you Tell ever do that? No, no. <laughs> no, I got caned every day. That's that's kind of how I got into kink. Yeah. So, so how do I know I'm a dom? I, you know, I was always the leader of everything, and. I was the owner of my business and I was the president of the, you know, association. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just led everything. So right. leadership was naturally, like I'm hardwired to be a leader. Right. You know that. Yeah. Right? I'm just yeah, hardwired. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And so that's, that was kind of my root knowing. My root knowing was that I was hardwired. Mm -hmm. How that translated into my sexuality was that when I started to explore kink, which I did at various points times through my life you know mm -hmm. i started being aware of it when i was like 16 and then i played a little bit when i was in my 20s and mm -hmm. i seen a little bit when i was in my 30s but i never really explored it i just fantasized about it mm -hmm. but when i started exploring kink i was immediately pulled into topping and dominating in extreme kink right bondage discipline that right. kind of thing so like it never occurred to me to be a submissive it just didn't even occur to me wow. right yeah and so you know now that we're you know years into our dynamic mm -hmm. i can look at the way we seen and there are things that occur in our scenes that somebody looking at it might say well you know you're being topped and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's... But they don't know. You've given me a directive. Yeah, but that's not submission. That's just... No, that's a difference. That's a difference, right? That's a difference. I mean, as a dominant, you can... Let's say, you're, let's say you were a dominant switch. You could easily say I'm, as a dominant, in the dynamic with the sub, mm -hmm. but you're also a switch. But you may not switch in that dynamic or not. You just may be the dominant in that dynamic. That's right. But you can choose at any point to say, you know, I want you to do this to me. Right. That doesn't mean that your sub is topping from the bottom or anything like that's happening. It really is you as a dominant say what you want. Right. There aren't only certain things you do in, in play that are, oh, those are considered dominant moves. And then these are considered submissive moves. Right. I mean, really, quite frankly, it, both sides of the slash, you could do anything and still be construed as a submissive move or a 
dominant move based yeah. on the context, which context is everything. Yeah. yeah. So for me, dominance occurred naturally. I never had to pretend. I never had to role play. I never had to construct a circumstance where I got to be dominant over somebody else. Mm-hmm. It just occurred as a natural occurring for me. Yeah. And how about for you? Like, how did submission occur to you? Like, when did you figure so out you were I'm submissive? I'm an odd bird because I'm a switch because that really does play into why I choose submission in our dynamic and all other interactions are dominant. I'm the oldest of a very large extended family. So, like, I'm the oldest grandchild of, like, 20, maybe 22, if I'm miscounting, <laughs> 22 cousins. Yeah. Our age range is fit, quite varied because the aunts and uncles who are part of this family, there's a 20 year difference from the oldest to the youngest. So yeah. there's this huge gap, right? Yeah. So I, from very young age, was in charge of all these cousins. And so I developed at a really early age without really any one telling me how to do it. I think I, there were a lot of things I did innately that yeah. the parents were just kind of like, yeah, she's got it, you know? And I would just lead the group. Yeah. So that felt good to be a leader. However, what I fantasized about from really early on was being so desired and wanted by somebody that I, you know, was able to fulfill their desires and please them to the utmost. Right. And why is that important? Because for me, as a demisexual, basically demisapial sexual, I really needed a connection with someone before I got vested. Right. And I was looking for the person I could be really connected with and then therefore be vulnerable with and then fulfill on all these fantasies that I have. And I only logically thought that possible with one person. It isn't that I'm totally opposed. I mean, we're in a monogamous dynamic, but it isn't that I'm opposed to other play or stuff. But when you start talking about polyamory, which is loving relationships and they can be sexual or not sexual, you know, that's a lot of energy and time Mm. away from the main relationship. And I know I may get probably a pushback from other polys on this, but that's how I'm wired. I vest like 1000% into my relationship, especially now that I'm able to be vulnerable and completely intimate and free to be my authentic self. So I've got all this energy wound up in this and I, I want to feed that dynamic and build that dynamic and nurture that dynamic. And that takes responsibility and time. And so then other relationships are all secondary, basically because of energy. I think the way I'm wired, I put so much energy in that I do get tapped. And so then where I find energy is then I flip to my dominant side, which is a completely different, comes from a different place in my mind and body and soul. And so it doesn't strain my energy the same as my submissive energy. Right. So in your dominant mindset, that occurs for you more in work relationships. Yeah. Traditionally, because I have, I'm just starting to explore that in dynamic relationships and domination and that kind of thing just to even see if I enjoy it you know is it something I is truly speaks to me but all of my other relationships sibling Mm -hmm. family interaction with my parents work people Mm -hmm. it's 
all under a dominant context, extremely dominant context. Right. So the question is, how did you discover you were a submissive? Because I have this fantasy of this one that I find where I have connection that accepts me who I am and sees me. I didn't think that was possible with multiple people. Right. But your choice is to serve. Of course. So my predilection right now is just as a person, even as a dominant, I do complete work and thorough. And so I love that for me, even without anyone patting me on the back, I love and thrive in the service of others because I see what joy it brings to somebody else. Mm -hmm. I also enjoy in a sexual context, the whole drop because I am dominant in most of my life. Okay. Outside of our, our time together. Right. That I get to drop that away and be completely vulnerable and add effect to your desires, which because we're so aligned, which is so fantastic, our desires are aligned. So, you know, I don't have an agenda going into a play and say, okay, I hope I get to suck his cock this long and then he fucks me in the ass and then I hope he does a flogger and then I hope he does this. I have, there's none of that comes into play. He's going to create an exciting scene and I'm excited just because he's going to create that and it's exciting to be with him and play with him. And so that I had always put myself, even in my defunct marriage, I put myself in a context of trying to be submissive because I was with a, a domineering partner. Big difference. Big, way big difference. We'll but I was still like, on a, you could tell I was still in a search for that. Yeah. And then what would happen is because it was not dominance, it was domineering behavior. I would then at a certain point, because I have a dominant side, it would be fed up right. and I would lash out or become what you call a brat, because right. which is not, doesn't feel good for me because it's not my nature but I didn't know how to retaliate. I didn't know how to buffer myself. And I felt uh, misled, like I'm a sexual creature and I'm not being allowed to express myself as a sexual creature. I'm very much stymied and restricted. And so knowing myself as a sub, I, I quite honestly, it must've been in the back of my mind forever because once I chose to divorce and started looking for, something right i didn't i didn't go to dating sites i went straight to kink (laughs) right and and why is that i really i don't know if i could tell you why that is exactly what i did though yeah i went well i think i did that because i kept thinking well everyone tells me i'm weird because i have sex all the time well you were definitely the most sexually active person in your friend group oh yeah by far and and sexually versed on, I wasn't all like, in, we'd go to sex toy parties and people would be like, oh my God, I can't believe that's there. And that could have been partly to look good, you know, sure. but people were actually embarrassed, like turning red in the face. And I was like, it's just a dildo. It's not that big of a deal. Right. So of your friend group, you were the most sexually active and you were also the most experimental. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because we, you know, women get together and clamor yeah. and share And I had to be careful what I said. I would say I was adventurous because I had to be. My root, though, is adventure. Right. Like, I am adventurous. I will be the person that tries something new first, Uh often. But because of the toxicity of my relationship, I basically had to go to keep the, the peace. Right. I had to do whatever his perversions were 
And I say it like that because they weren't kinks. They were perversions because I was in a domineering, abusive relationship. So they, they weren't choices you were making. They weren't choices. It was non-consensual. Right. And, but you, you know, how do I, how do I frame that differently? But it gave me a context and I did, and I guess I could say this. I had experience, I had experience with anal, I had experience with three holes. I had experience with, I mean, like people made a big deal about blowjobs, and I'm like, that's all the time. I don't right. understand how that's different, you know? And most people would share like, Oh, he took me from behind. And I was like, Jesus, you know, I'm behind is like one of the first things. I mean, it's like <laughs> reverse cowboy 69. We're doing contra positions. You know, I'm being put in weird positions, right? Uh, multiple toys are being used while I'm getting fucked, you know, right. that kind of thing. And just being exposed to it and now being able to explore those things with a new context has even deepened my submission mm. in that my personal life, the way I see my personal life as a sexual creature is a submissive, that my need is to be linked with somebody that allows me to be in that space completely. Yeah. Well, when we very first met, you reached out to me as a dominant on FetLife. I was a slave. As a slave, right. Like yeah. I was a dominant. Oh, uh, you as a dominant, yeah. You reached out to me as a dominant from a submissive perspective, but you put yourself forward with a context of slave. That's neither here nor there. We did an experiment or two at the beginning of our dynamic to look into that notion of should you be a slave? Should you be a submissive? How does that work? And you discovered pretty quickly that you have agency. There are some things you don't <laughs> intend to want to participate in, like you don't have any intention to be used as an object over the course of your life. You know, maybe kneel on the floor as a table for dinner sort of thing. You know, you yeah, just... I guess I was more worried about when I was thinking about agency was, I mean, you know, because dominance you know, you're just meeting someone. So dominance could choose to have a stable of people. And then my, at some point, maybe based on my age, maybe based on my worth, you know, I wasn't feeling that super great, you know, mm -hmm. that I thought, you know, if I was, <laughs> what's the word, put out to pasture, I could be made a lamp. Right. And quite literally, I, as a slave would need to own and be the best lamp I could be or the best end table or, and those are extremes I'm, I know, but, right. but the reality but they is, make a point. But, the, but the point is that yeah. is like, maybe I'm only a slave that lives in a cage for the rest of my life. And that's, that's what I, and you know, the reason do. you had thoughts like that is because you, you did research and yeah. you looked at what oh, was yeah. available and oh, yeah. you saw those scenarios, but you were still drawn to submission. And when you reached out to me as a submissive, we started having a conversation about the range of your submission. Because I was curious about, do we align sexually? Right. That, I was, mean... my, that was my curiosity, right? I, the inquiry I was on was, I had this notion that my life had to have kink involved because mm -hmm. my sexuality had not been expressed mm. fully. And without that sexuality, there's no way to have achieved anything like alignment or yeah. intimacy. And so for me, kink was a pathway to intimacy hmm. because when you and I started communicating, you know, we didn't seen for like nine months. We actually communicated 
we texted, we talked, we had meals together, mm-hmm. we took walks, we talked, we communicated. We got related. We got related. Yeah, we got related and we negotiated what our dynamic might look like if we were to go forward. So mm-hmm. that was the conversation, right? And you were really clear that you were stepping into a 24-7 total power exchange as a submissive with a sadist. That was With no experience. With no experience, I, yeah. I guess I would say this, and I would not recommend that path to everyone. My right. path is because of the kind of person I am. Right. I had already played online and had toyed with submission with a single partner no, well, then another person yeah. on a fling kind of thing, mainly just because their styles were too different and I wanted to see what it was. What what happens more than not is the one I stuck with for a year, I did that because it continued to be dominant. And I'm not saying people can't evolve, but what happened with the other one is, you know, you start, he starts with dominance and all of a sudden he flips the table without telling me there was no agreement. There was no pre that he wants me to dominate him. And in fact, at the end of the, the main dominance um, reign, if you will, with me, um, he was breaking agreements right and left by seeing other people. But then he too wanted me to dominate him. Now, if we had developed a real dynamic then topping when he wants that, I think that's a different story, but that's not how it played out. That isn't right. how it, there weren't these agreements around it and there right. weren't conversations. And I'm pretty adventurous and pretty open, but I have to be on the same page as the, my partner. You know, right. like like if you enter someone into your dynamic, we could have had a conversation about that. And right. he might've said, well, I'm attracted because of this or this and I'm wanting this. And maybe I could, especially because it was online, right. maybe I could have easily got my head wrapped around it and right. said, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think I'll be okay with it. And truly in an online situation, played with the idea of having a open dynamic yeah. to, in essence, flirt with the idea of what it would be like if this was real. You right. know what I mean? I do. I definitely get the whole world of that. Yeah. So when we started our dynamic, we started the conversation around should we or should we not proceed right and there were some issues like i was clear that what you were stepping into was new for you yeah and i was clear that if it was workable if there was workability in our potential dynamic Mm -hmm. that it was going to be addictive like you were going to want more of it oh yeah you warned me that I, i did and i said to you that i wasn't willing to go forward till you were complete with your past marriage and relationship you need yes. to get complete right which makes sense to create space for something new and then we began the relationship with a claiming ceremony and that was there was some intensity to that like you literally <laughs> there was be and i say that and i you know where i am now today yeah i say to myself in my head flashback put yourself your mind and your body back in that moment and yeah. how would i have perceived what was happening yeah. but you can't ever do that yeah. i do know I definitely experienced things I'd never experienced. And I remember saying to myself, because there was, how do I express this? It was definitely consensual because I put myself forward. So that was a definite choice of mine. But I remember still being fearful. Mm -hmm. Like I had never been caned. I did, you know, 
this is what's so funny. Here I am entering into a claiming ceremony. I've never been caned before. I've never gone to play caning or anything. Right. Uh, I haven't really had a lot of impact play, but there was something pulling me. I don't know why pulling me towards that. Right. And, and I remember thinking, oh shit, this is kind of scary. And, and he's given me these safe words and I wonder, but then I let him down if I, you know, if right. I read out or like, but, but if it's really bad, I'm going to read out, you know, right. and then maybe I know <laughs> he's not my partner or, you know, I was just like, I don't know what to think of this. And it, cause it was all new. Right. Well, let's put a, let's put a pin in there and come back to it. Yeah. So you, you said a couple of things that were very important. You said that I gave you safe words. Yes, you did. And you see from a dominant and submission standpoint, because it all occurs in agreements and communication mm -hmm. and because the play can get super intense <laughs> yeah. and because I didn't know what your limits were. I mean, I, I didn't know what your hard limits were because you had expressed those. You told me what you were not willing to do. Right. So I knew that. But inside of that, I didn't know like how you would respond to being well, caned. So, so I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Yeah. That's a perfect example of showing my innate desire to be submissive. So yes. when I was telling you originally what I didn't like, and I, I definitely expressed to you I didn't like them, yes. I was feeling badly about that too. Right. Like I can't, what if he, what if he likes those things and I can't please him in this way? So as a true submissive, I'm telling you what I don't like, but I'm also freaking out that I can't fulfill every objective. Right. And it's not a perfection thing. It's actually a drive of service yes. to be what your partner wants and needs because that creates bliss. Right. Yes. And fortunately for both you and I, your hard limits match pretty closely to mine. Yeah, so did. that works out. We're not going to do children. We're not going to do scat. We're not going to play with guns, like that kind of stuff. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's all good. But outside of that, I gave you the opportunity for safe words. I told you that you could read out, which means stop, we're done. Well, I thought that was interesting because I hear read from other people. Yeah. And everyone has their own criteria, their own, you know, safe words. But I've, yours were different than anyone I had heard before. Cause a lot of times I heard this, uh, yellow means, you know, you might be able to keep going, but it, I'm not liking this as much or whatever. And red means change to something else. No, but see where I was coming from, because I was interested in you as my partner, mm -hmm. somebody who I sleep in my bed with. Yes. Right. Right. Like, I literally have to make sure that you feel safe and secure. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, because I don't use them very often, but the idea would be, what got me was the red. You said, I will stop play completely. Completely, The yeah. scene will be over. Yes. And I was kind of like, in my head, I sat up and I was kind of like, what? Like, maybe I don't want the scene to be over. Maybe, maybe I'm just trying to communicate to you that that was too hard That's or what too whatever. For. Right. Right. <laughs> and so that's how new I was. Right. And so I was really like sitting there <laughs> psyching myself up, getting ready in the bathroom because right. I'm a three hole slut and I had right. to be ready. Right. And that was a new experience for me. I had to clean all my holes and be, you know, be ready. Right. right? right. And I remember going, what am I going to do if I can't handle it? Yeah. Like I'm going to fail at this. I'm not going to win the, fear. win the sub badge right. on my, on my, jacket. Right. That, was, that was your fear. And that, that was my big fear. Can you imagine? I was really brought by that. But that actually implies that you're deeply submissive. I know. Right. So that's an indication that you're deeply submissive, that you really want to please. 
your dominant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the claiming ceremony was super intense and it took you out of your world and it put you in my world. Totally. And at that moment, you were claimed. You were my claimed submissive. I remember the getting to the end because it was a long scene. Yeah, we seen for a couple hours. And we got to the end and I was, I had never experienced subspace and I was definitely in subspace. I remember it, you know, in retrospect, it feels like when I'm high, like when right. I start to giggle and get high, I yeah. was like, wow, this is terrible. Yeah. And I remember we, we, uh, talked on the couch afterwards, Yeah, you know, you, we cuddled up together and you were talking to me and I just remember thinking, you know, I'm listening to you, but at the same time I'm thinking, I just did that. Yeah. Like I just did that. Yeah. Well, we debrief after every scene. Yes. We always yes. have. We started on day one Yep. because the intention is to, for us, because we're in a dynamic, is to build a relatedness in kink. Yeah. And so the way that occurs, it's in communication, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got to make sure, like, how did this work for you? Mm -hmm. How did that work for you? Because as a dominant, like, I consider myself responsible for your well-being. Right. And I can't just use you and, like, leave you by the side of the road, Well, again, I'll bring this up. This is repetitive in our pod, but I say this. For me, this was, this was... One of the statements you've said, there's several, but this was one that early on that I just, I clung to because I was scared in general, just scared in general. And what I was embarking upon uh, was you told me way early on before we even started having scenes together, you said something, well, I don't break my toys. And I've never heard that before. I'm sure it's been said before, but I'd never heard it. And I, I thought about how you said that. And I was like... So I have a choice now. He's made this declaration. This is before I even had the knowledge of declarations, but right. he's made this declaration is how I process it. And I go to myself, I said, then all I have is to go on that. Right. And I get to choose whether I choose to go with what he's stated right. as so, or, you know, constantly thinking, well, he's just going to burn me or whatever it is. I had already been in a relationship like that. I wasn't seeking a relationship like that. I was seeking a relationship where we could honestly talk and be straight with each other. And so basically I created you as that. And I said, then I trust he won't break me. And it's true. Now we've seen about a thousand times since then. I know when we say that number, it's like overwhelming because it feels like a truly there's moments where I feel like it's a flash Right. of time and then it's like other moments it feels like we've been together forever right it's amazing right and so the question i have for you is mm-hmm. have you gotten more or less submissive over the course of time with you because i'm only submissive to you yes yes i've gotten access to what i think is my authentic submission and i don't think there's a um a scale that right. you can put a submissive on and say, okay, this submissive is a, is a nine out of a 10. So this is a very important point. It is. Because there's no such thing as being correctly submissive. Exactly. Yes. You, but, but when I first came into the lifestyle and my first exposure was chat rooms, which doesn't give you a lot of information. And yeah. then I discovered FetLife and was like, right. whoa, fuck, my world is open. <laughs> and I remember feeling early on, but this is back when I was 
Well, what I thought early on, this I'll tell you what really happened. I didn't want to go to extreme to slave. I thought sub was the way to go. I started a basic profile. I got corrections from everybody and their mother telling me, because huh. I originally didn't have a picture up right. and I didn't have a, anything in my about. And people were like, nope, no one's going to talk to you without a picture. No one's going to talk to you without anything in your about. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what to write. So I went and perved a whole bunch of other people's profiles and tried to figure out what I liked about their profiles that spoke to me. And then I started creating my profile. And I think I even called myself at the time, Dearly Departed, which is some words out of a song that I had, but I felt as a transition in my life as a woman who's going to go through divorce, I was like departing and dead from my prior life and being reborn. So I was just dearly departed. And what I remember doing is going, it was crazy. FetLife has groups and all these things. So I went to places and started just talking to people. I didn't know etiquette or anything or any way of dealing. I was being me. And I remember, I think I talked to somebody's writing. It must've been a dominant. And then I got this whole butt backlash from all these submissives. Like, you can't just say that. And I was like, wow, really? I can't just say that. And then, then of course- they're submissives and I'm a submissive, but then there's two things happening there. And this is how I, if I have to be honest, this is how I recognize my switch. I was all of a sudden like my hackles were up and I was like, claws are coming out like cat fight time. Like <laughs> you can't tell me what to do mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I was also worried that now I'm going to be a pariah in the kink community because no one's going to like me because, <laughs> because yeah. I don't know how to play right. And well, and I mean, I, this is a very, this is interesting because there's definitely a sort of social etiquette amongst doms and subs about there is like directed communication. I think that's for another conversation. Yes, for sure. Yeah, but here, what I want you to speak to, if you will, just to sort of start to wrap up so we sure. should take some questions if there sure. are. But you've seen with me for about a thousand times. <laughs> and through the course of time, what's happened is our seating has become more and more aligned as we've explored sexuality together. Right. And- We've transitioned from scenes that were like new and scary, perhaps initially Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. kind of exciting, Mm -hmm. to scenes that we are more familiar and comfortable with, Mm -hmm. to where now what's happening is we're so aligned that our scenes occur as almost an energy experience outside. Like it goes well beyond sex. Yes. It goes well beyond kick. It gets into like this really interesting spectrum. And so the, the knowingness that you're submissive and the knowingness that I'm dominant and the alignment that we have has altered the experience over time as we've explored dominance and submission in this like environment of sex-forward, kink-forward, 24-7 experience. Well, I would say this. When I first heard you were a sadist, when we were first meeting, yeah. I didn't really know I was a masochist. I had joked for years that I was a masochist without really acting on it or other than that I had a lot of masochistic tendencies in my life that I just didn't connect the dots. Right. And so then we claim and we seen and I'm getting adjusted to different impact play. And so initially I want to please overrides my, my desire to please overrides my trepidation of what's to come. Right. Right. And now we've progressed our masochism 
in the sense of daily spanking, maintenance spankings, and which changed my life. We did other things with recently with HypnoKink, but I think the transfer happened sooner than that. Where I started, you would ask me to get ready for high protocol. You know, regular singing, I was like digging. I was like all into it. And then high protocol, from being trepidation to being, I want this now, right? But right. but I wasn't at peace with it. I knew there was something that was going to come, yeah. but that I wanted it. Because the satisfaction of pleasing you and feeling connected with you was so overpowering and intoxicating. Flash forward to now, I have this similar experience, whether it's a daily scene or a high protocol. I'm like, yep, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm all in. And I'm excited. And I'm, I'm, I don't think ahead in the scene like, oh, eventually he's going to do this. And I got to prepare myself. I mean, I used to do that in my head. Right which also didn't allow me to be present right. as much in the scene. Cause you know, I'm the, the anxiety. I have none of that. That's all washed away. What? And it doesn't mean you're doing less now. We're no. doing more now. It's more intense. It's more sure. intense. The intensity is way up. What it is, is I have embraced my masochism in a way. And I, I play with the pain in, in a way that's new for me. Yeah. I'm learning every single time we play. And the energy that we have that's now happening, and it's been the last six six months, months, yeah, yeah, I would say that too, is remarkable. Like it's on another level. It's cool. So I know myself as a dominant. I know myself as a submissive. And that's that's how we know. Yeah, exactly. You can reach out to me at saffermaster at gmail.com. Yes. You can reach out to you at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Yes. We're both on FetLife. I'm at Saffermaster, and you are Lady underscore Petra. Petra. And that's how you reach out to us. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers!